Greetings, brethren. Welcome to day four of the Feast of Tabernacles 2023. And as we say, time always is marching on. One thing about time, it doesn't wait for anyone. God is judge. So we'll have this Judge righteous judgment number one, God is judge. Now we know in Revelation 20, so let's go there and let's read that again. And this tells us what we're going to be doing during the millennium after we're resurrected and we are changed from flesh to spirit. And everything will be different at that point with us. However, at the present time, we are here to grow in grace and knowledge and understanding and maturity of spirit so that we can be good judges and priests and administrators all during the millennium. And then on out into all eternity. What is that going to be like? Okay. Revelation 20. Let's read it here. Verse 4. And I saw thrones. Now, Jesus promised to the 12 apostles that they would sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So there will be many thrones. And they that sat on them, and judgment was given to them. So there are major thrones, lesser thrones, and how shall we say, small soul thrones. So that we can reach all people, we can have connection to God, we can yield ourselves to him, and do everything according to the will of God. All right? And judgment, judgment was given to them. Yes, judgment was given to them, and I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus, for the word of God. This tells us we're going to have to stand, and right now, As we have seen in some of the messages this summer, Mark of the Beast is coming, is coming, is coming. Okay? And for the Word of God, because there are a lot of people today that hate the Word of God, can't stand the Word of God. And those who did not worship the beast or his image and did not receive the mark in their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Now then, God is judge. God is lawgiver. God is merciful. God is kind. God is also the one who will render vengeance and the judgment of fire. So God 
Everything that there is comes from him. And that's what we need to grasp and understand with the whole plan of God. Now let's come to James, the fourth chapter, and let's see something very interesting here that tells us that God is lawgiver and God is judge. And he makes the judgment, but he will commit judgment to us. But the final judgment to eternal life will be Christ's and God the Father's. Let's come to James 4 and verse 6. But he gives grace. This is the reason it says God sets himself against the proud and gives grace to the humble. Now, the best way to be humble is to understand this. Everything comes from God. We live and move and have our being in him. And without him, we can't do anything. Now, if we have difficulties and trials and circumstances and afflictions, those are all so that we can grow in grace and knowledge and draw close to God. Okay. Verse 7. Therefore, submit yourselves to God. Now, we'll see a little later how to do that. That's through repentance and drawing close to God, living under his laws, as we will see here in just a minute. Resist the devil, because the devil is the one who wants to keep us from being in the kingdom of God. When we resist him, he will flee from us. And it says in 1 Peter 5, we resist in the faith, trusting in Christ. Draw near to God. Now, how do you draw near to God? Through prayer, through study, through your thoughts, through everything that you do. And God's Spirit in us, we draw near to God. Now, notice what he's, he says with that. And he will draw near to you. And that's through the power of his Holy Spirit. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Now, double-minded is like the man or woman who has one foot in the church, one foot in the world. One foot in the church so he can run to God if something goes wrong or she can run to God. One foot in the world, so get along with people in the world. Be accepted by them. Well, sooner or later, it'll come to the time that you can't get along with them. So that's why he says this, okay? Now, be grieved and mourn. That means repent, come to God. And weep. Let your laughter be turned into grieving and your joy into sorrow. That is, if you're out here thinking, oh, well, everything is just fine, and everything, God, God is there, and he's for me, you know, much like the Protestants and the Catholics do today. If you're a good Protestant, you're just fine. 
You don't need to do anything. You don't need to keep the laws. Same with the Catholics. All you have to do is come to Mass. All you have to do is is keep Christmas and Easter, and you'll be saved. See? No. God says, humble yourself before the Lord, and he will exalt you, and that is in due time. See? The time of exaltation does not come in this life. The time of exaltation comes at the resurrection. Brethren, do not talk against one another. The one who talks against a brother and judges his brother. Now, this means judging his heart. And we're told in Matthew 7 the same thing. Judge not lest you be judged. And that means judge the heart unto criticism. See, because the only one who knows the heart is God. And he who judges his brother is speaking against the law and is judging the law. Now, when you judge the law, you're judging God. And that's what the world always does. They judge God. They don't know what's going on, okay? We'll go to Romans 3 here in just a minute. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law. Rather, you are a judge. And if you do that, you set yourself above God. So he says this, verse 12, But there's only one lawgiver who has the power to save and to destroy. Who are you that you presume to judge another? That is, judge their heart. That's left up to God. We'll get to that in a little bit. Let's come here a few pages over. Let's come to Romans, the third chapter. This is quite a thing because here's what most people do. Most people are always judging God one way or the other. When they judge God and judge the law, they put themselves as adversaries of God. See? Here's what Paul writes beginning in verse 1. What then is the advantage of the Jew, or what is the profit of circumcision? Now, you go back and read chapter 2 right at the end, and he says, circumcision is of the heart, okay, from within, okay? But the Jews, judging everybody, condemning everybody, okay? So he says, much in every way, primarily in that they were entrusted with the oracles of God. So the question comes up, why are they sinners? Well, he answers it in verse 3. For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief nullify the faithfulness of God? Of course not. So Paul says, may it never be. Rather, let God be true, which he is. He is always true. 
always right, always makes right judgment. Okay? But every man a liar, exactly as it is written, that he might be justified in his words. In other words, his words are always just, and he is never wrong. Because people look in the world and look at the things that go on because of the penalty of sin that comes along, and they judge God and say, why would God do that? Well, because they reject God. Big lesson. You can't reject God and receive his blessings. Let's read on here. Speaking of God that you might be justified in your words and overcome when you are being judged by men. And that's what happened. Everyone has an idea about God. From clear to the right, clear to the left, clear to the Bible, rejecting the Bible, accepting parts of it, rejecting all other parts of it, they're all judging God when they do that, see? So Paul says in verse 5, but if our unrighteousness brings to reality God's righteousness, what shall we say then? Is God unrighteous to inflict wrath? No, of course not. Now we'll see that here in a little bit. I'm speaking according to man's view. May it never be. Otherwise, how shall God judge the world? Then he says in verse 5, because remember this, even where there is sin that proves that the word of God is true, And the consequences of sin as it comes proves that the word of God and the power of God is true and does exist. Okay, verse 7. For if by my falsehood the truth of God has shown itself to be supremely great to his glory, why am I being judged as a sinner? Quite a thing. Yes, indeed. Now let's come to 1 Chronicles 16. Now, 1 Chronicles 16 is really very interesting because this is when God told David that he would have his son build a temple for him. And it was right after the time that David brought the Ark of the Covenant from where it was stored after the Philistines had it, Obed-Edom, okay, and brought it to Jerusalem to his house. And in his house, he had a special room that was set up with a small tent in there for the Ark of the Covenant. And there's where he would go and pray. And when that was finally set up, then we have this prayer here that he gave. 
And Asaph was the priest who was in charge of it with other Levites. Now verse 7, Then on that day, when the ark was put in that tent, right in David's house, David first delivered this psalm into the hand of Asaph and his brethren in order to thank God. Now this was a glorious day, giving credit to God for everything. So let's read it. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing to him. Sing psalms to him. Tell of all of his wondrous works. And there are lots of them, especially today when we can look out and we can see uh, the more vastness of the universe that at any time in the history of men. Okay? Glory in his holy name. Let the heart of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his face continually. Now see, that's what we are to do. And that's what James was writing about there in James, the fourth chapter. Seek God. Okay. Remember his marvelous works, which he has done. That's why we have the Old Testament. That's why we have the New Testament in the book of Acts. All of the marvelous works that God has done. Okay. And the judgments of his mouth. Now, we'll see some of those. And we will see that God is judge of the whole world. And no one is going to escape the judgment of God either for righteousness or for wickedness. Verse 12, Remember the marvelous works which he has done, his wonders and judgments of his mouth. O seed of Israel, his servant, children of Jacob, his chosen one. Now, they never really did appreciate it. And even in spite of all of their sins, because of the promise to Abraham and the promise to Moses, God dealt with the children of Israel. Okay? He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Everywhere that you look and see and go, there are all the judgments and the works of God. Be always mindful of his covenant, the word he commanded to a thousand generations. And for us, for the new covenant, always be mindful of that covenant. That's the covenant of eternal life. Even the covenant which he made with Abraham, it isn't that what he did there in Genesis, the 15th chapter? Yes, indeed. And of his oath unto Isaac, And he had established it unto Jacob for a law to Israel for an everlasting covenant. And that included the coming of the Messiah. That included everything that we find in the New Testament as well. Saying to you, I will give the land of Canaan the lot of your inheritance. Okay, let's come down here to, let's come down here to verse 23. 
Okay. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. So here is the Ark of the Covenant in the tabernacle tent in the house of David. And he was there with his first song. And look what he says. Verse 23, sing to the Lord all the earth, a prophecy of what's going to happen. Show forth from day to day his salvation, declare his glory among the nations, and that's a prophecy of the gospel going out from Jerusalem with the apostles and the church and down to us today. His marvelous works among all people. That goes into the time of the millennium and all the plan of God. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He also is to be feared above all gods. All the gods of the people are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Glory and honor are in his presence. Strength and gladness in his place. Give to the Lord, O you kindreds of people, give to the Lord glory and honor. So that's quite a thing. Glory and honor. Give to the Lord. The glory do his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Now, when you worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness, you are there praying to him you are there with all the saints gathered together when we get together and we worship God, we study his word, we learn what God wants, and this is quite a tremendous and fantastic thing for us. All right, now let's see some other things about God. Okay, let's come to Psalm 82. Psalm 82, quite a thing really when you look at all the things concerning judge and judgment and, and the righteousness of God. Psalm 82. Okay. Psalm 82, and let's pick this up in verse, verse 8. Okay. Arise, O God, which is the coming of Christ, or at any time that God, as we will see, judges any nation, because he's judging them all the time. Okay? Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all nations. Now that's referring to, to Christ and the setting up of the millennium. Okay? Let's come to Psalm 96. Psalm 96. The Psalms are filled with many of these things for us to know and understand. Psalm 96, let's pick it up here in verse 9. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness, tremble before him all the earth. So this is a time when the whole world is under the rule of God. Okay? Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. That's going to be our first message to everyone in the world, wherever we are sent to help the people come out of the things that happen during the Great Tribulation as we begin the millennium. The Lord reigns. 
the world shall be established, it shall not be moved. He shall judge the people with righteousness. How is that? Well, are not all of his commandments righteousness? Isn't everything about God righteousness and truth and love and mercy and grace? Yes, it is. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar and the fullness of it. Let the field be joyful and all that is in them. Then shall the trees of the forest sing for joy. Now, don't know how that's going to be, but we do know this, that when there is love, when there is peace, when there is joy, when there is right treatment of plants and trees, they flourish. And they give off a radiance that can be measured, but we can't see it or hear it. Okay? Yes, and they do this before the Lord, for he comes. For he comes to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and his people with his truth. That's how it's going to be. It's not going to be any other way, see. This is why we need to understand and we'll cover it very thoroughly during this sermon and the next one or two about judge righteous judgment. Okay? Now, let's understand that this also comes clear back to the New Testament as well. Let's come to the book of Hebrews very quickly. Okay? Hebrews 12. And let's see what a tremendous thing that this is and what it talks about with what God is going to do, Hebrews, the 12th chapter. And in this, Paul wants us to know that when we come before God in our prayer, when we come before God in the study of his word, that we have all of these things in mind. And this will help us understand the word of God more. This will help us love God more. This will help us overcome more. And all of these things... And we will see the key as to how that is done. Let's pick it up in verse 22. Hebrews 12. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God. Every time you get on your knees and you pray to God, and you say, Our Father who is in heaven. Okay? You're coming to the living God. And Mount Zion in heaven above. And heavenly Jerusalem, which then in the final analysis will be brought to the earth by God. And to an innumerable company of angels. Read Revelation 4, Revelation 5. That's quite a thing. Okay. And to the joyous festival gathering to the church of the firstborn. That's all of us, you see. To the church of the firstborn. And there's a special place right there in God's presence that the church of the firstborn are registered in the book of life in heaven and to God, the judge 
of all, and to the spirits of the just who have been perfected. Because when you die in the faith, your spirit has been perfected, and it goes to God, and he holds that. Now understand this. The spirit of man, likewise the spirit of God, cannot function without it being in the mind of the individual. Okay? So, the spirit of man is kind of like a computer chip that has been, everything about us has been perfected, and God is storing for the resurrection. Then when the resurrection comes, he puts it into a spirit body, and a spirit mind. So that's what we have to look forward to. The spirits of, of the just who have been perfected, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, like it says here, remember his covenant, and the sprinkling of the blood of ratification, proclaiming superior things than that of Abel. Okay. Then he gives a warning. Don't refuse him with that, okay? Let's go on. Let's see some other interesting things. Let's come to Psalm, not Psalm, but uh, Isaiah 57. Isaiah 57. Now, this is why the Bible is put together here a little and there a little and precept upon precept and line upon line so that if we put it together properly, let's come to Isaiah 57, okay? And this is going to be another one of these things, putting it together about God is judge. He's going to judge the world. He is going to, to judge everything that there is. Isaiah 57, verse 15. Thus says the high and lofty one. That's God. God the Father and Jesus Christ. They are one. Didn't Jesus say that in John 17? Yes, indeed. Now notice the next phrase. Who inhabits eternity. Now this is something we won't understand until we are resurrected from the dead. But God is eternal. He inhabits eternity. And everything about he, what he is doing is centered around that in his great plan. And we have been called to be a part of that. Okay? Inhabits eternity. Whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place, even with the one who is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble, to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Now, that's quite a thing. God is not calling the rich and famous. He's calling us. That's why, and it goes clear back to where we started with James. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due time. Okay? Let's see some other things concerning this. Let's come to Jeremiah the fourth chapter, because this tells us more about God in judging 
and how it is and what we need to look to. And the reason that Jeremiah did what he did, spoke what he did, wrote what he did, and carried out everything that God wanted. Jeremiah 4. Okay, let's pick it up here in verse 1. Now here's the plea to Israel. Here was the plea to the Jews, because God gave a space of 40 years from the beginning of the ministry of Jeremiah until the end of it, and they had that time to repent. They had that time to amend their ways. They had that time to stop sinning. Okay. So God says here, chapter 4 and verse 1, If you will return, O Israel. Notice again, conditional. See, Just like with us. We have got to come to God. And coming to God every day in prayer, study, and all of these things, these are important. If you will return, O Israel, says the Lord, return to me, that is the true God, in the true way, with a humble heart, according to his word and according to his love, according to his mercy, according to his law. Okay. And another obligation. If you will put away your abominations out of my sight, then you shall not be removed. Quite a challenge. See? Same way with the world today. They want to have God their way. They want to have Jesus their way. They want to have prophecies their way. Not God's way. And they're not willing to submit to the judgment of God, and they're not willing to come to God, as he says right here. Okay? Like he says, in truth and in judgment. Okay? Now, verse 2. And will swear as the Lord lives in truth, in judgment, and in righteousness. Now notice, those three always all go together. See? In truth, in judgment, and in righteousness, then the nations shall bless themselves in him, and in him shall they glory. Okay? But, they wouldn't do it. Okay? Now let's come here to chapter 6 and let's see God's judgment. Okay? Here's what God does. Remember, God has given the laws, and with the laws are blessings for obedience and penalties for disobedience, which are called curses. Okay? So God pleaded with them, pleaded with them, pleaded with them, pleaded with the priest ple through Jeremiah, okay? Verse 16, Thus says the Lord, Stand in the ways and see, ask for the old paths where the good way is. Walk in it. Again, giving them another chance, showing that it has to have direct action and you're walking, that is your way of life. And you shall find rest for your soul. But they said, we will not walk in it. Same way today. 
Look at what is happening today in the world and how quickly Satan is taking over. An amazing thing is indeed. Also I set watchmen over you saying, Hear the sound of the ram's horn. But they said, We will not listen. No, 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 no. There's no God. Therefore, hear. Okay. You nations. All the nations of Israel and the nations on the earth because it applies at this time to everyone. No congregation. That's all the people of God, wherever they are scattered in the world. What will happen to them? Hear, O earth, I will bring evil on this people, even the fruit of their thoughts. See? So God does it by what we think, what we say, and what we do. But the thoughts, because they have not hearkened to my words, nor to my law, but have rejected it. And so God says, judgment is coming. Now let's come to Psalm 19. Now this is quite a psalm. Psalm 19. And what it tells us concerning God's way, God's truth, God's law, God's judgment. One of those foundational psalms that we need to always keep in mind and understand. Okay. Psalm 19. Let's pick it up in verse 7. And this is what the world doesn't like. See? Because human nature always like to, likes to come along and we know better. Or we'll accept this, but we won't accept that. And let's add this to it because it seems so good. Okay? God says of his word, you're not going to add to it. You're not going to take away from it. You're going to do it. Why? Let's read it. Psalm 19, verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect. That's what God is seeking. With his spirit, perfection in us. With his truth and things written in our hearts and our minds, that we have the perfect way of God in us. Restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. See how all of this works together with God's way? Okay. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart, and the commandments of the Lord are pure, enlightening the eyes. See, this is what God wants to do. This is the judgment he's already made. And this is the covenant that we enter into with him when we come to God and are converted. See? The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. See? Now that's the fear of God based on the love of God. And the love of God cast out human fear, but it brings godly fear. And godly fear is that you're not going to go against God because you understand the penalty that will come. The judgments, now underline that, 
the judgments are the Lord are true and righteous all together. There is nothing wrong with anything that God is doing. More to be desired than gold and much fine gold, sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. Okay, now notice this. And this is what we need to understand. Because didn't Jesus said, lo, he's coming and his reward is with him. And we're all going to receive a, a reward and a new name and assignments and all of this to serve the people during the millennium and then on into eternity. Moreover, by keeping them, that is, his laws, his commandments, his statutes and everything, your servant is warned. See, you give internal warning in your mind. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? See? No, you cannot understand your errors without the word of God, which says you shall not and whatever. Okay. You can't understand your errors. Do people in the world have any idea what's right and what is wrong? No, because they don't follow the word of God. By chance, some of them may follow some of it. Okay. Who can understand his errors? Oh, cleanse me from my secret faults. That which is deep buried in our minds by living in this world. And this is deep conversion, see? And all of that comes from God. All of that comes from his spirit. And all of that comes because we judge ourselves with the word and spirit of God. Now, that's a tremendous thing, isn't it? Now, when we do that, then verse 13 takes place. And keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Do not let them rule over me. See, you cast them down. You get rid of those thoughts. You reject them. Then I shall be blameless and I shall be innocent of great translations. Okay. Now, here is the great judgment for us, what we want in our lives today. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This is why God is judge. Well, we'll go ahead and take a break and we'll come back. Let's continue on. Let's see what it is said of God by Abraham because he understood what God was going to do to Sodom and Gomorrah. Now let's come back here to Genesis 18 and let's see, this is quite a thing because 
Abraham was able to approach God directly. Now, this was right after the time that Abraham and and Sarah were there, and then here comes the Lord God and two angels, obviously, in human-like form. Okay? And Abraham says, come on in and eat and slay the calf. And Sarah fixed everything up and so forth. And then they had the meal, little sidebar. They had butter, they had milk, they had meat all at the same time. God said, okay, to Sarah, you're going to bear next when the time comes. Now she laughed, and then God asked her, why did you laugh? And she said, well, I didn't laugh. said, yes, you laughed. Okay. Then, verse 13, and the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh, saying, shall I who am old truly bear a child? Now she was 90 years old at that time. Verse 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? See? Even what sounds impossible to us, God can do. Never forget that. Okay? At the time appointed, I will return according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then we come down here. To verse 17. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham the thing I shall do? Since Abraham so surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Going clear back to the promise given in chapter 12. Okay. For I know him. Now stop and think on this. Does God know us? Of course he does. Does he know our thoughts? Yes, he does. Do we have the Holy Spirit of God in us? Yes. Are we living by his word? Yes. Are we keeping his commandments? Yes. Is he preparing us for eternal life? Yes. Okay, same way with Abraham here. For I know him that he will command his children and his house after him, and they will keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, doing the right thing, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. Then the Lord said, now let's look at this. This is something, okay? And the Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous. How close are we that to that today? Very close. I will go down now and see whether they have done according to the cry of it, which has come to me. Now that's interesting, isn't it? When their sin, the cry of all the anguish of the sin, comes up to God. See? Now, how close is God in contact with the things on the earth? All right? Here's one to think on, that we don't know how it's done. Jesus said, 
to the apostles, you're worth many sparrows. But even if one falls, that is, falls dead, God knows. Now, how does he know that? Well, we don't know. But it tells us this. God is more in touch with everything than we've ever given God credit for. See? So, this is why he said what he's, he's going to do. So then they came and they went from there toward Sodom, and Abraham stood before the Lord. And Abraham drew near and said, now notice how he was right there with God, looking at the one who was to become the Lord Jesus Christ of the New Testament. But here he was appearing to Abraham in human form, and Abraham was looking at him right in the eyes. And Abraham came right up to him. Can we have close contact with God? Yes, indeed. Look at this. So Abraham came near and said, Will you destroy the righteous with the wicked? Now, quite a question. There's God just promised him a son through Sarah, and that nothing is impossible. Okay. So Abraham said, perhaps there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you also destroy and not spare the place for 50 righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to act in this manner to kill the righteous with the wicked. Far be it from you that the righteous should die with the wicked. Shall not, now notice this next sentence shall not the judge of all the earth do right. See? Notice how he brought this out. He didn't come up with a thought, oh God, you're going to destroy it? Oh, that's not right. No. He says, will not the judge of all the earth pass present, future, okay? And we find this through the whole Bible, okay? And that's why judging righteous judgment is important in everything that we do. So then Abraham bargained all the way down to 10, okay? And he said, if there are 10, I will spare them. Then do you know what happened? The only ones to get out of there were Lot, his two daughters, and his wife. And his wife didn't believe it, so as they were leaving, she turned into a pillar of salt. Question. How important is it to believe what God says, even through an angel? The angel's message was, do not look back. Now, let that be a lesson for us in this world of Sodom and Gomorrah today. Don't look back at the pleasures of the world and think somehow that God is not righteous in his judgment that he brings. All right? Now, let's look at something else here. 
Let's see what God does since he's, he's judge of all the earth. Let's come to Jeremiah 18. Okay. And this is always ongoing all the time. So the judgment of God is always ongoing everywhere at all times because he has the ability and capacity to do it. And he has angels to help him. And he also uses Satan and the demons as punishment for when things get evil and they turn away from God. Okay, But God gives the choice. And we will see that God makes his judgments always by what we choose. So let's pick it up here in verse 1. And the word came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Rise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Not only hear my words, but see what I'm going to do, and understand what I'm going to do. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he was working at his wheel, and the vessel that he had made of clay was ruined in the hand of the potter, so he made it again into another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you even as this potter, says the Lord? Of course. And there are other places which say, Shall the potter say to the maker, What are you making? See? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Now think about the whole house of Israel, all 12 tribes, just like clay in a potter's hand. Huh? Do you think that any of us, large or small, whatever, great or unknown, can get away from God's judgment? Of course not. That's the thing. See? We need to understand. And then we need to realize that during the millennium, we're going to be judging just exactly like this under the supervision of Christ. And we are to make righteous judgments. We'll see that. So here's what God says. Verse 7, always the word if. If at any time I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom, to pluck it up, to pull it down, to destroy it. Is now what we're seeing happen in America today? Huh? Yes, indeed. The hand of God is doing it. Now, you go to church at home and you watch the five segments that I have done on Satan out of the closet. Because that's what we're seeing going on in the United States of America today. The hand of God, because he has released Satan to do his evil because of the evil of our doing, like we have covered so many times. Okay? 
He says, if that nation whom I have spoken will turn from their evil, I will repent of the evil that I thought to do to them. Okay, But remember, whatever he does is righteous and just and good, whether for blessing or whether for punishment. Okay. And if at any time I speak against the nation and concerning a kingdom to build it and plant it, if it does evil in my sight, that it not obey my voice, then I will repent of the good which I said I would do to them. Now notice, here's the warning today. Here is the warning for us. And here's what we need to understand. Okay? Now therefore speak to the men of Judah and the people of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord, Behold, pay attention, listen. I am forming evil against you and devising a plan against you. Return now each one from his evil way and make your doings good. But will they? That's always up to the individual. That's up to the nation. Will there be anyone who can bring anything about? Will there be anyone to say, here's the way, walk in it? Will there be any any of those so-called Christian ministers, which God said that if they would preach his word, that he would honor that, but will they preach his word? And what about us with the churches of God? And what about us in our own individual lives? What are we doing? What are we looking at? What are we judging ourselves on? How do we do that? Okay. Now we know from the example of Jonah that when Jonah preached, they repented from the greatest to the least of them. And the king even put on sackcloth and fasted. Now, that was a tremendous thing, and God withheld his judgment for 120 years. Okay? True to God's word. All right? Let's see. Let's understand. Let's come to Deuteronomy 30. We've been here many, many, many times, but let's go here and see how true this is. Deuteronomy 30, and God is not going to turn his hand back from it. Okay, let's start in verse 1. Because this applies to all the children of Israel, and as well as all the nations of the world, at any time down through history. And that when we're in trouble and we seek God... It's for the purpose that we come to him. Okay. Now he says, verse 1, after giving everything in Deuteronomy 28 and 29, all the blessings and cursings and so forth, he says, verse 1, And it shall be when all these things have come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I have set before you, when you shall Call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God has driven you. Took them out of the land, scattered them wherever they were to go. And shall return 
to the Lord your God and shall obey his voice according to all that I command you today, you and your children, with all your heart and with all your soul. See? Same thing we just read back there in Jeremiah, the 18th chapter, right? Will we return? How far will we return? What will we put away, the evil from ourselves? What is it? So if we do that, then the Lord your God will turn away your captivity and he will have compassion on you and will return and gather you from all the nations where the Lord your God has scattered you. Okay? So this shows another principle always. God always honors repentance. And that's what God wants. And God's judgment are based upon our choices. Whether for good or whether for evil. Let's come down to verse 6. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and your the heart of your seed to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, so that you may live. Now that's coming into the time of of the millennium, see, where people will be converted. That's what it means, circumcise your heart. Romans, the second chapter, talks about that, right? Yes. Okay. We'll see that in just a bit. And the Lord your God will put all these curses upon your enemies and upon those that hate you, who persecute you, and you shall return and obey the voice of the Lord and do all his commandments, which I command you today. So you see, sooner or later, they're going to have to come and keep the commandments of God. But they look at, look at those things and wonder. They don't understand them. They can't believe them. They have no knowledge of them. Okay. So then he says again here, verse 10, If you will obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in the book of the law, and if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, God doesn't like halfway things. God doesn't like it that we put him on trial because he's not to be tried. The whole book of Job proves that, okay? We're the ones who are on trial, not God, okay? Verse 14, the word is very near you in your mouth and in your heart so that you may do it. That's why there's so many Bibles in the world. They're available. People can repent. People can come to the truth. People can understand what God is doing, Okay? Now, here are these choices. We've gone over this many, many times, but I tell you what, the more we go over it, the more we understand it, the more we realize what it's actually saying, the more that God becomes real, and the more that we understand how important our choices are, and the more that we understand it is what we think, what we intend, what is in our mind, that is the most important thing as we come to God. Verse 15. 
This is it. For the world, for the church, for every individual. Okay? Behold, I've set before you this day life and good, death and evil. In that I command you, this is what God wants. Okay? In that I command you this day to love the Lord your God. And how are we to do that? The first commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, right? No reservations for your evil. No reservations for your sins. Repent of them. Get rid of them. See? That's what he wants. To walk in all his ways, to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments so that you may live and multiply and the Lord your God shall bless you in the land where you go to possess it. Now then, that applies directly to the millennium. And this will be what we're going to preach to the people coming out of all the disasters and all the tribulation. You turn to God. You receive his spirit. You become converted. Okay. So he says this, and he gives this warning. And this is what we're seeing happen today because people won't return to God and the small little messages of repent and receive Jesus have nothing to do with the truth of this because that's anything but all your heart and mind and soul and being, right? Okay. Verse 17, but if your heart turn away so that you will not hear, but will be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce to you this day that you shall surely perish. You can't make sin work. There may be prosperity for a while, but the curse is wrapped up in that prosperity and is deceitful and will entrap anyone who thinks they can get away with it because it's not possible, okay? And you won't prolong your days you go to possess it. Now, verse 19, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life so that both you and your seed may live. And to love the Lord your God, and may obey his voice, and may cleave to him. Now notice, all of these mays, these are then giving us permission, but we must follow through with the action. See? By our own choice. Wherever you see the word may, that means that it requires action upon our part to do what God says. Then the blessings will come. Okay. So that's the message we're going to we're going to bring at the millennium. All right. Now then, let's understand something here. Let's understand this. We know that judgments on the house of God today, 
as Peter said, and that is, what are we going to do? How are we going to live? How are we going to obey God? All right? Let's come and see very important what is necessary concerning that. Okay? Let's come to 1 Peter, the fourth chapter. Okay? And here we are going to see that God's judgment now is upon each one of us because we're being called to the greatest calling possible to be of the church of the firstborn, to be in the resurrection and to be given judgment and rulership and teachings for the millennium, and then that will grow in God's great plan into something fantastic for all eternity. Okay? 1 Peter 4, verse 17. For the time has come for judgment to begin with the household of God. So when God looks down here, wherever it is, he is first of all judging the church. He is judging all the ministers and all the elders. What are they doing? What are they teaching? What are they preaching? How are they living? How are they handling the word of God? Are they yielded to God? Are they humble to God? What kind of judgment will they come under if they don't do the things that God wants? Or if they don't teach the word of God the way that God wants? See? On the household of God. For the time has come for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it first begins with us, which it is, it's always first. What will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? For if the righteous are saved with much difficulty, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Okay? We don't know. Going to be something. So don't look any affliction that you're going through now as, as something that you cannot bear. Ask God to help you bear it. Ask God to help lift it from you. Ask God to intervene to heal you. Ask God to guide you in everything that you are doing. Okay? Now verse 19. For this reason also, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in well-doing as to a faithful creator. All right? Now then, we are, the first thing we're going to do in the millennium is we're going to preach repentance. Okay? And here's how it has to be. And it's going to be difficult. Think of all the shell-shocked people that are going to be because of the wars and the plagues and all the things coming upon the earth. Come here to Isaiah 55. And this also tells us, too, about how we need to repent, how we need to come to God, how we need to have our minds changed, and to realize that God is there to help us with everything. Isaiah 55. Okay. Let's pick it up here in verse 1 so that we get the whole setting. See, 
This is what we're going to preach. Because there will be people in all nations wanting to know about God. There will be some who will be resisting. And we read about that in Zechariah 14 at the beginning of the millennium, what's going to happen to them. Okay. Isaiah 55. Ho, everyone who thirst. Now that has to be us. Come to the waters. That is, come to God and receive of his Holy Spirit. Living waters. Okay. As Jesus said to the woman at the well. He who has no money, come, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Okay? Come freely from God. Why do you spend money for that which is not bread, and you labor for that which never satisfies? Hearken diligently to me and eat. Remember the psalm that says, O taste and see that the Lord is good. And remember the word of God that the angel told John to take and eat. Yes, that's what it means. Eat what is good and let your soul delight in its fatness. In other words, all of the great blessings of God. Bow down your ear and come to me here. This is the lesson that's going to go out here. And your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. So it's going to be done. And they'll have to come to the point of repentance and come to the point of baptism and receiving the Holy Spirit of God. Okay? Behold, I've given him, that's Christ, for a witness to the people, a priest, and a commander of the people. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know. A nation that did not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God, for the Holy One of Israel has glorified you. Okay? That shows what we're going to do. We're going to come to them quickly. Okay? Now, here's the message right here. This is what we are to do. This is the message of repentance so they can come to God and do those things that are right and have judgment in their lives, mercy and forgiveness of their sins. Okay? Verse 6, seek the Lord while he may be found. And, of course, he will be found because all the saints will be on the earth and Christ will be on the earth. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way. Get away from it. Get rid of it. Stop it. Don't live in it. Renounce it. And the unrighteous man his thought, because the conversion comes in the mind. And let him return to the Lord. And he will have mercy upon him and unto our God. And he shall abundantly pardon and notice how great this is going to be. See? Notice the plan of God, the plan of conversion, the plan of salvation for all the millennium and then on into all the universe after that. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor my ways your ways. For as 
The heavens are higher than the earth. Think of that. God is bringing us this knowledge that's higher than the the heavens above the earth. And my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. See? So that's what it's going to be. And it's going to bring out everything, sir. Let's see how it goes. Verse 10. For as the rain comes down and snow from the heavens and does not return there, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth and bud and give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, that's what it's going to be. It's going to make everything right, see? So shall my word be which goes out of my mouth. And we're the ones to speak it. God speaks it. It's written down. We are to read it. That's the same as God speaking it. Okay. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall certainly do what I send it to do. And that's what it's going to be. God is judge. He judges the heavens, the earth, everything on it, every individual in it. And we then are given judgment to bring this to the people so that they can know God, they can have an opportunity for salvation, and God will usher in the thousand years of peace. So come back tomorrow for more righteous judgment and how important that that is.